Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Alan Moore and you're listening to Gaelic Games Europe's twice-weekly podcast, This Sunday's Game. A very warm welcome to the last show of May. Tomorrow summer starts officially and we at Gaelic Games Europe hope you'll enjoy a decent bit of sunshine to start off the season. On with us today, we have Angel Negrete, chairperson of Galicia GAA, and a clubman with Estrella Vermea. He'll explain just how Gaelic games have grown in Galicia to the point where the 2020 European Championships have been scheduled for October. He'll tell us how a soccer club became a GAA club, the issues they face, and what plans they have for continued growth in the region. But first, a bit of news. This past week, Mark Gallagher of the Irish Daily Mail and the Irish Mail on Sunday, and of course the 42.ie, wrote about how Europe is the trading ground for the GAA's return to action. Now he'll join us on Wednesday for a full chat about the real issues facing the GAA on the island of Ireland. On Friday, the GAA stood firm in rejecting small groups training in Phase 2, which of course is due to begin on June the 8th. Phase 3 will begin on June 29th, and at that point the GAA will review matters. In a statement, they said that we do not envisage a return to training in small groups in phase two and pitches and playing areas are to remain closed. However, as per the government roadmap, this may be reviewed in phase three. And hurling boss Roland Sheehan is looking for a team Ulster for the All-Ireland Hurling Championships. From underage up, the Moore County manager understands that it might only be an eight-county team with Antrim wanting to continue their own course. Of course, there hasn't been an Ulster Championship final in three years. He envisages that, firstly, the Ulster Counties would still compete in the Mar, Rackard and Ring Cups as usual. But once those competitions end and they finish up very early in the season, I don't see why a team Ulster could not compete in a preliminary All-Ireland quarter-final or a playoff, for example. Maybe even one day in the Leinster Championship proper. And of course, the aim would be to have Team Ulster facing Antrim in an Ulster Championship final. With the German Bundesliga continuing and top flights from England, Spain, Italy and Russia all returning soon, a hint of what might be the new norm hit the Ukrainian Premier League. Today's game between Kirpati Lvov and Mariupol was called off due to six players and four staff all testing positive for Covid. The match was due to be played behind closed doors in Lvov, Western Ukraine. Back in 1993, Kirpati were losing to Dublin Shelburne in a Cup Winners' Cup qualifier. And in 2011, they beat St. Pat's in a qualifier for the Europa League. Sandwiched between them, they had a great run in 2010, beating Galatasaray to make the group stage of the Europa League, where they faced Paris Saint-Germain, Sevilla and Borussia Dortmund. Ukrainian FA officials said initially that the affected were all asymptomatic. However, this morning, this was updated with three players with symptoms. All are now either in self-isolation or in hospital. It raised even more questions over the Russian Premier League's plan to allow clubs have 10% of the stadia filled with fans for games from June 21st. As local soccer expert Andy McLean remarked, inside the stadium is fine, getting there is a huge issue, especially in Moscow. The Austrian government have approved that the Austrian Formula 1 Grand Prix can go ahead as planned in July. The season will have a revised calendar with back-to-back races in Spielberg on July 5th and 12th, with a race one week later in Hungary. Before we go to Galicia, this Sunday's game wishes to take a moment to send our condolences to Kieran Chapman and his family on the passing of their mother Patricia on Friday. Kieran is chairperson of Slovak Shamrocks in Bratislava and PRO for the Central East region of Gaelic Games Europe. Just a few weeks ago, he was a guest of this Sunday's game. 
And while we know that nothing we say right now matters or will help, we're with you, And remember, there's no strength without unity. We go now to Northwest Spain to talk Gaelic Games in Galicia with Angel Negrete. I am delighted to welcome on to this Sunday's game a person whose dedication to GAA and to promoting GGE knows no bounds, including running the length of the pitch and back with a heavy camera strapped to him to make sure we get the best pictures for the Pan-Euros last year. Speaking of Pan-Euros, Pan-Euros are scheduled this year for October in a part of Spain that a lot of people don't really know too much about. So we're going to find out a bit about it right now with our guest, chairperson of Galicia GAA, Angel Negrete Tunes. Yeah, hi, hi, yeah. <laughs> Great. You're also... Yeah, perfect. Course, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Great, I'm happy. That I had my fingers crossed I'd do it, right? You're also, of course, uh, a club man in Estrella Vermeer, Vermeer. I, I hope I got that right as well. Yeah, that's right. Tell us a bit about your club to start off with. Uh, when did you start and how many people are involved in the club? How many people are playing in training? Well, the history of my club of Estrella Vermeer from Santiago to Compostela is very curious because uh, it actually started as a soccer club like 22 years ago, 23 years ago. And it went on for like 15 years, being a mayor soccer club of the city. And then we basically, well, I wasn't involved in the club, but the people on the club discovered Gaelic football, which was this kind of a weird uh, sport no one was hearing of uh, around 2013. Well, the soccer club was going to disappear because uh, people were retiring and all that. So basically they decided to to move to, to this sport you know, to convert to the club, to a GA club. And that's how Estrella uh, Bermeja joined the, the GA family in, in Galicia. It was starting in the year 2012-13 to, to grow really, really quick. I more or less got involved in the in GA around that year, mainly joined Estrella Bermeja next year in 2014. Was there many club, were there many clubs playing at the time? Uh, it was mainly uh, in 2010, as you know, probably... Uh, the first GA club in Galicia was formed, which is uh, Fios de Brogan from Coruña. And they mainly played uh, along or Iberian Championships for the first years. And then uh, in 2012, uh, we held like the, the first um, uh, Galician team uh, friendly match against Brittany in, in here next to in, in Ferrol, next is, who is next to San Coruña. That basically made it a boom in, in Galicia. So uh, the next year, we uh, went from having one only club, two teams, to like uh, four or five clubs. And next year, eight clubs, and more, more or less that. Uh, it began to spread really, really quick, This because people got engaged with the with the sport itself. Uh, obviously, having a national team, even if it was uh, only uh, on a friendly match, was a good advertisement for us. It blew up in, here in, in Galicia from that year on. How many clubs, Angel, are in Galicia? Um, currently, we have uh, 10 clubs uh, who are still active. Uh, we had Ali Tamoro a couple of years back, but uh, currently active, we have 10 clubs. And how many people uh, roughly are playing in total? Uh, the number of uh, licenses uh, for players we have uh, currently is around 300, more or less. Whoa. Like 200 men and 100 more or less women. Because last year, of course, I remember you guys, you were terrific at the World Games in Waterford, having that national team there help promote it. How important, well, I, no, listen, let's, let's take a step away because a lot of people listen to this will say, 
okay, hold on. I know about Catalonia. I kind of know about the Basques. Uh, where on earth is Galicia? So tell us a bit about Galicia itself. <laughs> well, yeah, Galicia is, is basically on the, on the Iberian Peninsula. It's the, the opposite way of uh, Catalonia, as you say. So we're in the northwest part of, uh, of Spain, uh, up uh, just outside uh, Portugal. Basically, we are in, the, in, the, in that little corner of, uh, of Iberia. Um, for if there are any Irish uh, listening to this to this audio, weather is pretty similar. It rains a lot. <laughs> it's not like the, the, the sunny Spain you go for like <laughs> Andalusia and all that. There's also there have been connections between that part of that part of northwest Spain and sort of nor- well and north Portugal and Ireland for thousands of years where there's been similar cultures, like uh, Brittany and France as well. There's that kind of similarity with Ireland. Um, what makes Galicia so different, apart from rain? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, we kind of have our own culture here, you know, yeah. um, thousand years um, culture and our own costumes. And we are our own language, apart from, from Spanish, which is Galician, of course. Um, as you say, we have a, a, a kind of a rooted Celtic culture, uh, so to say, uh, which ties a lot with what you say, uh, with uh, Ireland, with uh, Brittany, and with all the these Celtic cultures around Europe. So that's pretty much our history. That was makes, um, as you say, um, we are next to uh, other communities in Spain who are um, very different from us, even though we are in the same. Uh, state and all that. In saying that, I mean, a lot of people as well, they would know two things about Galicia, unless I'm very much mistaken, of course, there's the shrine at Compostela mm-hmm. and also the football club at uh, Deportivo. So am I right in that, that those two are in <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those are in Galicia, yeah. Uh, well, obviously, you know, the, the shrine of Santiago, it's, uh, it's mainly known because of the, the way of Santiago, I think it's, uh, you, you call it that way, Yeah, which is, well, a thousand paths in Europe that lead to, to Santiago for uh, pilgrims to, to work and there are thousands of uh, pilgrims and tourists that come every year to Santiago to, to visit the cathedral. And obviously, as you say, soccer are known teams like Deportivo and Celta who play on the on top divisions in, in Spanish La Liga. Yeah, I mean, Deportivo, I remember from, well, when they played Shelburne in 2004 in the Champions League qualifiers, and actually Deportivo won the top teams in Europe. Tell us how you got involved. in Like, why did you choose it? Because if, if soccer is so strong in Galicia, how did you kind of go, okay, how am I, why am I going to take up this crazy game? Um, actually, it was kind of a random because I was um, at work and went to a pal of mine and said, oh, do you want to go on the evening for a beer or something like that? Uh, he said, no, I can't today because I have training. Uh, what are you training? Uh, you training Gaelic football, you know, <laughs> you training what? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, he's playing me a little in two minutes. Um, and I said, okay, I'll try. I mean, sounds fun. Today not, I'm going on beers, but uh, next day you go, you, you tell me and you go. And I go. And then I joined in training. Uh, we only went to train because we basically had no... Really, really um, low training. Um, almost no teams in Galicia. I started training once a week, more or less, and I really got engaged with the with the actual sports because I'm. It it was uh, weird because uh, for us, it, as we explain it to to new people, it's kind of a mix of non-sports, you know, because you have these parts of soccer and because of the pitch and the ball, which round and you can play with your feet and all that, and you have these parts of uh, rugby. 
more or less, which is known for people. Uh, you can grab the ball on your hands and you more or less go from one way for to another to the, to the pitch. You have these H-shaped uh, goal, goal posts. And even other sports like volleyball for the passing or uh, maybe basketball for the bounding, you know, it, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of, of um, ability for skills uh, you need to have which are common in other sports. So it's kind of all gathering here. So in sports-wise, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, and it was also interesting to um, realize that it was a very dynamic sport. Uh, you're almost all the fucking time running. This, 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 there is now this slow uh, playing time, uh, like you have in soccer sometimes, uh, you really slow down the play time. It's really fun. I, I mean, it's fun. To, uh, as I what you say, it's fun to see and it's even funnier to, to play. In Galicia, how is the competition structured um you play each other in a league format or how does it work uh here if since like uh, 2014 or less we have our own our own league which is basically basically all clubs in all teams in, in, in galicia play against each other uh, classical classic league uh, format you know uh, first way second way one who wants the most uh, uh, matches wins the league. We also have um, some other competitions like the Galician Cup, which is varies from format more or less from year to year. Where normally we have this single day tournament at uh, the end of the seasons, which goes from September to June for, for our case. Spread like uh, you play this day the quarterfinals, next uh, weekend the semifinals and then the finals. Uh, we have a, we had a couple of years like a four, Final Four format, playing semifinals and finals on the same day. One of the things that made to be where we are is that we keep uh, experimenting with uh, formats and gathering ideas from clubs. And, and then on top of that, our Galician teams obviously play on the... Um, on the Iberian tournaments and then the Paneros, if they are, are able to travel. How many Irish are involved in Galicia? Well, actually, there are not that many like, that we would like. Uh, well, because you don't I, want Irish people or there's not as many as you'd want? No, no, there's not many as we would want, <laughs> I mean. Well, I would want, yeah. <laughs> no, there's too few, actually. Uh, one of the... We'd, it's, that's the thing is one of the things that this is uncommon from from us and probably Britain is the other way is that it's ninety nine percent percent Galician people playing Gaelic football. Uh, I will say to you that we have ten Irish players. So out of three hundred ten, that has some drawbacks as well. What what are the challenges that you face in Galicia to develop uh, Gaelic games? The main the main challenge we have or uh, the main handicap is that well, obviously we are. Uh, a small sport, you know, it's we have a relatively unknown sport, even here in Galicia. We, we get on the newspapers from time to time. We're basically no match for football, basketball, and all the other um, sports. So uh, we have to really, really fight for our kind of quota, you know, uh, economically or mediatically and all that. Um, obviously, lacking Irish players, um, I think it sometimes it draws back like the commitment you may have from from people in clubs in general some because uh, Irish people are really committed with the club we are they are they, they belong to you know it's like they feel they're part of their 
home and culture. There are a lot, a lot of uh, Galician players who feel like that, but maybe not mm, to that level. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's difficult because it's uh, in the end we are um, a kind of a federation formed by all amateur people in all senses, amateur players, but also amateur uh, administrators. And uh, we keep learning from day to day. I mean, I I knew nothing from uh, to how to manage a club or how to manage. Uh, a group of clubs, so I need to read about law. I need to how to do um, how to deal with um, invoices, how to strategies to build new clubs, strategies how to build uh, base uh, players. You know, I mean, children. You don't have to learn everything from scratch. So we are starting to have some help. We really have some nice help from the soccer federation in Galicia. We have uh, an agreement with them for uh, you know insurance and all other structural needs and uh, some help from people now we are now getting a more uh, more known in, in in galicia we have the attention of maybe some professionals you know and maybe teach us some basics who maybe get involved in the local club and help that club grow you know step step to step how is the uh, well? I guess I, I don't want to say symbiosis or synergy, but how is the the relationship or partnership, say, between the big soccer clubs and GAA in Galicia? The synergy between big clubs uh, and us basically is difficult because uh, well, basically there is um, the practical. It is basically is none in the sense uh, uh, soccer clubs were the go their own way obviously but we have as, uh, as I tell you we have the, the help of the federation because like uh, we're kind of uh, inserted in their structure and we are um, starting to uh, taking advantage of this situation with legally meaning in uh, around the, the law in Galicia uh, we're starting to uh, approach uh, some maybe smaller clubs big clubs for the area for the area but not maybe Deportivo, but maybe just um, low-profile clubs, uh, to form uh, GAA teams on their clubs. You know, okay, you have your club, you have your structure, you have, you have a really good structure, I'll form you, a, 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 I'll try to build you up a, a GAA team if you oh. want to play on the GAA, uh, on our GAA league. A GAA, a GAA section within the club? Yeah, yeah, a GAA section within the, an, an existing club. You get rid of basically all the... Um, administrating problem because they already have that. I mean, they 20 more plays. Okay, that's it. Uh, I have 200 plays on my club, so 20 more sounds fine. And you kind of uh, relieve them of the trouble of uh, establishing a section. Uh, it's kind of difficult because um, soccer clubs tend to be a little, a little bit jealous with their uh, players and members. <laughs> and so they may uh, like feel threatened because oh, you are stealing me plays from soccer to Gaelic football so it's no it's like the people you, who live because they have no uh, place on the Shenyu team okay uh, be there remain in your club on a GAA section or get in new members on the on the club yeah you know, exactly bring in the new two focuses yeah big new exactly. people to your club yeah. so yeah that's the focus we are trying to it's one of our growth uh, objectives we are very much across Europe at the mercy of soccer clubs, rugby clubs, mm-hmm. local authorities. It's very, True. very difficult mm-hmm. on the base. It's not like where, well, you remember from last year in Waterford, you basically have your, your club, your field, and your clubhouse. So we're, it's tough. The development 
of Gaelic football, of Gaelic games in Galicia, um, what's the next step in terms of growth and what do you think the potential is for Gaelic games in, in Galicia? Um, more or less, as I, as I was saying, to objectives in the next few years uh, will be to be a, a little more professional in the sense of we need more um, knowledge on how to do things, both coaching, refereeing, but administrating clubs. Uh, our structure keeps solid because one of the problems we have is sometimes it's very volatile. It depends mm, a lot on the work of two or three people. Mm, clubs are always in risk from one year to another year. It depends on if you get those five, six guy, new guys to join your team because three or four are retiring. It may, may imply that you have uh, one team less on the league next year. We, one of the main focus is to um, stabilize that situation. And for new clubs, uh, one strategy is the one we were talking about, uh, approaching soccer clubs, but also the classic strategy of uh, trying to go to a village, promote uh, training, and see if there is interest in forming a club over there. And also we have the, um, uh, the uh, youth program, two, three clubs with stable youth activities, which is basically, for the moment, it's like they stand alone. They go on their own way, doing their things locally, because I think that's the way it seems to be working better. But we are um, trying to get something done Galician level, you know, to join all these three, four, maybe to like two, three tournaments, like a prototype league or something like that. That's more or less our focus in the next years and the terms of development. Now, I think that for, for sure when everything goes back to normality in Spain and Galicia, fingers crossed that you guys keep the great work because, again, you have the pan-euro schedule for October in Galicia. I know it's going to be very, very difficult to host them this year, but I know that Gaelic Games Europe are looking, you know, that definitely we have to have a major event in Galicia because of the hard work that you guys have done. So, Angel, thank you very, very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me here and... And as the final whistle blows on this episode of this Sunday's game, we'd like to thank Angel Negretti for his time and wish him and his colleagues in Galicia the very best of luck in the years ahead. And we'll be back on Wednesday, as we mentioned, with Mark Gallagher from the Irish Daily Mail and another very special guest. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. Mm-hmm.